This is the Broncos Blitz, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Here's your host, Danny Williams. Back in on another edition of the Broncos Blitz podcast, guys. Hey, thanks for being with us. I am Danny Williams. Jake Meyer here producing the product, my co-host, my homie, um, ride or die with this guy. Um, we, right, ride, we ride together. We die together, JJ. We're, we're bad, bad boys, boys for, for life. life. JJ, my son's in studio with us playing his, uh, Mar- what is it, Super Mario Golf? Super Mario Golf. It's pretty sweet, actually. Um, it, it's sweet. Um, but um, we have a really good podcast today. We thought we're kind of been building and building just like, you know, the Broncos towards... Um, their little scripted scrimmage stuff they have with the Vikings. They're in Minnesota now. They'll have Minnesota in preseason game number one. I'll tell you why I think Minnesota's like the perfect kind of matchup um, for these Broncos, especially if they plan on competing. I'll just do that right now. Um, so I think the Vikings, when we had the Bills last year, they demoralized the Broncos. They clown the Broncos. They were twice as talented as the Broncos. They were twice as deep as the Broncos. They were polished and it wasn't really close. It wasn't really close. Okay. And we saw what the Bills kind of became and we kind of know and see what the Broncos kind of are. However, the Vikings say so probably right there in the mold of the Broncos. A little bit of expectations and aspirations, handful of skill guys, pretty good defense, an offense that can move the ball and be productive. I think that these scrimmages, the scrimmage in the you know, preseason game number one will be not only like a, a good a litmus test of where the Broncos are at, but they're not going to go get spanked. And, you know, a lot of their... Um, you know, confidence sucked out of them because part of like having the success and the is part of the buy-in, the belief. And then when you have success with that, what the coaches are kind of preaching, you see the success with it. That's when like the ultimate confidence and the belief and you become bigger than the pieces around you. And then maybe you start to be able to compete and win, you know, as cheesy as that may kind of sound. It starts again with like the, the journey starts right now against these Vikings, a team and some guys we have not seen seen yet we're tired again going against our own guys and then jake again uh, and i want to hear what you have to say this will play into these first three regular season opponents which you couldn't have asked for it to be you know easier right right and minnesota is going to be a good test last year they had some hard times simply because they had a very young team a lot of turnover from the year before and now this this team it's a gritty defense and that's that's going to be a good test for drew lock in his starting uh starting the first preseason game and we'll see what, what they can do but like you said you know this is going to be the tone setter if they come out flat and demoralized like they did against the Bills, then that might be how the season starts. Um, if they don't get the ball rolling, then it could be a, a rough start. But if they start flashing right away, then you're going to start seeing the buy-in, the hype around this team start to grow, and that's what, exactly what Broncos fans want. Yeah, we're out of um, fluff pieces, uh, player profiles. We're all, you know, we're, we're tapped from that stuff. There's nothing else that's going to, like, get me going um, other than now seeing something from preseason game number one that's going to excite me. Um, Drew Locke will start preseason game number one. 
Teddy Bridgewater will start preseason game number two. So for anyone who's trying to like get this thing figured out and you know um carmen san diego their way to being the first one to be able to predict who's gonna start um i don't know that there's any clues in this other than i think that if you're trying to if you know drew Locke is the starter you don't play him and you don't start him in preseason game number one you start teddy because he then is more valuable to you. Uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is playing zero this preseason. Why? Because he's their everything. He's so valuable. With that, you're with you know. Without him, you're nothing. It's not worth it for Green Bay to put him on the field for one second, for one snap, for one chance at a high ankle sprain, anything, any of it. Uh, it is to the Broncos, uh, seemingly. Um, Important enough to what I'd call kind of throw Drew Locke out there in preseason game number one, and where he's know, been injured before in the preseason, and let him you know kind of let's go fend for yourself, let's see what you're made of, and I'm interested to see how much the guy is going to play, um, but also, you know, I don't want to, you know what I think I think that the Broncos know the truly know who who they're going to start and what they want to do. And then there becomes a, like, you just throw in the towel on another guy. And in a lot of situations, you know, depending on the circumstances, you trade that guy away before, you know, so he's not in the way um, at any point in the season. Um, or you do the guy like, uh, like you trade Tebow. It's like, all right, Tim, where do you want to go? The Jets or the Jaguars? You know, you were good to us. You know, it's, it's not, we're not sending you to, you don't have the pick of the litter here. We're not going to cut you. You're not a free agent. Um, we'd like to get a little bit of something back for you. But it's like, um, it feels like they're just putting Drew Locke out there to still try to grow him as a backup player in case they will need him at some point or another in the season. Again, this might be just what is inside of me. I'm just feeling like Teddy's the starter. I just feel like Teddy's the starter. I still need to see how they perform in preseason. If Drew Locke looks great out there against that Vikings defense, okay, real quick. then, do then it you changes need to see? Do they need to see more, or do you need to see more? No, they need to see more. I already know that Teddy Bridgewater should be the starter. I've, the, I've seen enough. That's the opposite of what I wish you would have said. <laughs> I wish you would have said, oh, no, they know for sure. I need to see more before I make my decision. No, no, I'm, I'm all in on Teddy. I think they... The Broncos need to see a little bit more. They need to see well, they need e- to each quarterback to develop Drew Locke f- f- because he is your second best quarterback, actually, you know, theoretically. Right. And to me, he's not better than Rippon. He's not. <laughs> he's the they same. Could, it's the, he's the same. They're like the same. And if anything, Rippon may have be, be better than him. Right, you right. Know, I really believe that, too. And I still think that they need to see each guy against another team in a, in a game environment. And that's how I think they're really going to base their decision. So, is there anything more to take from Drew starts game one, Teddy starts game two? T- game two is more of like we're closer to. There's three games now, right? Putting it's the pieces. Yeah, there's, there's three games. Three games. So, they're putting the pieces together so, more in game two. So two game is that's game number two is more like your formerly your game number three, quote unquote your dress rehearsal, your starters. I mean, you're gonna go get the most of your first unit. In game two with Teddy. You know, that's not, you know, yes, I like that little ooh there. But game three, you're trying not to get anybody injured. 
because then it's about um, trimming the roster down to the 53. Um, 52 or 51. What is it now? What does John say? I'm 52 or 51? 51 or 52. It's like 62 now or 61, John. Actually, 10 years later. That was 10 years ago. But um, it will make it very interesting to see what happens in game number one with Drew Locke, how much he actually plays. Uh, I think he should play half of football. I mean, how much other game action, live game action is he going to have other than I hope Teddy plays the first half of game two and then drew lock plays like the third quarter and then Rippin plays the fourth quarter and then in game three i'd start drew lock in game three i'd let him play half of football and i go rip in the second half and that's what i would do that's what i would do because you still might need drew lock at some point in the season or, or another but he's lesser valuable to you now but also that means he needs all those extra game touches reps all that kind of stuff well actually i mean the game touches the reps need to go to teddy in practice we're done. I mean, I'm done with this 50, sharing 50. of this 50-50 split stuff. It's, it's making no sense now at this point. Now, it's like once the preseason's here and you're touching against other guys and banging and like there's going to be an injury or two. Some guys are going to go down. It's beginning. It's going to become real life this weekend. You know, it's going to be like it, it matters now. This time it counts. Um, then it's going to change. The feelings are going to change. The out, you know, the uh, mindset is going to change. And then therefore... Um, you know, all of the things that you have to do to prepare to win in the regular season um, will reveal itself. And Teddy, I think, will take over and start to get most of the reps. And, you know, Drew Locke will be uh, what they'll call a, a backup who could start in this league. I like your plan there. You know, uh, in, in that third game, I might throw Teddy out there for a possession or two just because he still needs a little bit more time in the system to get more comfortable. I think every rep counts and one or two possessions in that uh, third game to open the game, I think would, would do him some benefit. There's something to going out there and giving a couple drives and you go down there and score in those couple drives and you literally, uh, you just take that right into preseason or to uh, regular season game number one. It's invigorating. I mean, like, if it, not just that, it's like the belief factor, the um, extension of it. You know, Mike Shanahan, uh, we're, his first 15 plays, and so many coaches still do this, all scripted. It doesn't matter what happened. If we go three and out, we're coming back with play number four, you know, in the next series. Our first 15 plays are scripted. We know what's coming and we're going to execute it um i think that stuff you know for aaron Rodgers is kind of one thing it could change things out of that all that kind of stuff but for teddy or for a team like the broncos to go execute it with success is like wow guys it's really happening we're doing it you know what i mean the game for, plan is working well again it's like you got to take babies to look at the the highfalutin offenses how powerful and uh, just spectacular the Chiefs are and what Green Bay is and does and what the Chargers have now become. The Broncos need to go out there and be able to show they could, if they have to, be able to do some of that stuff. I know it's not who we are, and if we're doing trying to do too much of that stuff, something went wrong. But also the Broncos have to go out there and prove themselves as like a prof legitimate professional NFL offense, which they weren't last year. They were not a legitimate professional NFL offense this year. They looked off. That's what they're trying to come back to. That a you know a top fifteen to twenty offense for the first half of the season, 
paired up with a top 10 defense, you know, five to 10. Hmm. Interesting. That sounds like 500 ball. Maybe to me, if you're turning the ball over, if you win a couple close ones, which you will with Teddy and you wouldn't with Drew, that kind of stuff. You know, that's, that's a really nice storyline for the Denver Broncos, but there are a lot of other storylines that are out there. Yeah. Let's call this the halfway point of the podcast then. Okay, um, so I'm Danny Williams. Jake Meyer is sitting right next to me. Um, he's at Jake Meyer Radio on Twitter. I'm at Tweets Danny on Twitter. We appreciate the interaction, the participation here. Anyone who's listened to the podcast before or listening for the first time, download this podcast anywhere on planet Earth where you could find a podcast. Google, Spotify, give me more. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Yeah, I don't know what Stitcher is, but we're there. I know that. Anywhere. Yeah. Uh, that's badass, Jake. That is badass. Um, go comment, review the podcast, uh, milehighsports.com. That's an easy way to go get involved with, I mean, the milehighsports.com. I'm talking about, we're pushing about, beginning a million viewers a month there soon at milehighsports.com. I'm telling this monster, the website is an absolute monster. And then Mile High Sports' new app is sweet, man. Hey, it's, it's sweet. sweet. So you could uh, check out Jake and I from 9 to 11 a.m. Monday through Friday on milehighsports.com. Uh, Mile High Sports Radio 98.1 FM. That's what we do. Um, that's what we do every day before we do this podcast every day, which if you're listening, we appreciate you. Um, okay. So now, Jake, in the second half of the podcast, here we always say we don't want to peak too early. We want to build up. Okay. Uh, we went through what we think are the most important storylines inside this team this season that will matter and therefore produce another six wins, competitive football, or maybe just maybe, Jake, uh, a playoff opportunity. Playoffs? Yeah, I just hope we can win a game. Um, okay, so other than Locke and Teddy, what's like the next most important storyline theme narrative um you know you had one and i had one that was slightly different man we can maybe mold them into being one and the same where, where would you go my uh important storyline here and how this team is gonna tick is with von miller von miller coming off an injury he's the face of the entire franchise it all determines uh he's gonna set the tone for the defense and if he has a good season it's gonna the, the rest of the defense is gonna follow soon. doesn't it kind of feel like we're nothing without von it does i'm not saying we're everything with him but we are definitely nothing without we him. saw that last year it just sucked the life out of the franchise and the team he truly is you know most teams um their quarterbacks are the stars of the team jake not on this team vaughn's really truly the star of this team um and i'll tell you man if vaughn comes back vaughn's not going to come back with 18 or 17 sacks i think we're kind of beyond that and past that kind of stuff you know but if vaughn can come back with 14 sacks 13 sacks, one or two, you know, at the end of a game. Remember that Von, that Von Sack strip sack and it being a game winner. I'm just telling you, those are the kind of things, the moments and the feeling that we would need, the substance that this team would need in order to really compete, let alone compete for a playoff berth. So I like that a lot. I think you're right about that. Von's return is very, very important. And then Von's return and what it might mean for Von's future with the team, his future, yeah. Um, okay. I said uh, my number two storyline was Fangio. Fangio holding the team back. Fangio as a lame duck coach. 
Fangio at some point in the season after three or four or five weeks, his players realizing this guy doesn't care about the offense and his defense kind of sucks. I'm not buying what he's selling anymore. I don't like the lip service stuff. I don't like the tough no to old school football coach. I want me a player's coach like Tomlin. I miss Vance Joseph. It's uh, it's uh, it's hey, just that I'm a winner. It's a, it's a, uh, I, I get the NFL. Uh, it's a reboot, not a rebuild. Uh, I mean, I miss Vance too because of the impressions, but but um, there's a point where you disconnect yourself. You're done with your coach. You lose the locker you room. You lose the locker room. And there's a point that I think that could happen with Vic Fangio early and often. Again, the Denver Broncos are not the type of franchise, Jake, to fire a head coach in the middle of the season unless he's recording other teams' <laughs> walkthroughs and practices a la, you <clears> know, uh, a la Hurricane Josh. But um, also... There's franchise has a former head coach in waiting in Mike Munchak, the one head coach who's overperforming and outproducing and overperforming his contract. Um, and one of the guys who's been really successful on this staff over the last few years. Well, if he's leading the offensive line like this and look what he did for Garrett Bowles, well, what could he do leading this entire team? Oh, oh. so I don't think, you know, um, again, it sounds crazy. It's unheard of. I can't think of another situation like it, but at some point, if you were to elevate Munchak to head coach, and have Vic Fangio basically just continue to do the same things that he's doing other than maybe call some timeouts and make some late play, late see, um, you know, late game uh, personnel decisions and little things like that, which offensively I'm not even sure he has anything to do with. Um, I think that Vic Fangio, again, his who and what he is, um, who and what the defense is this season. And, you know, a lot of things are hinging on him. Either us really kind of falling out of favor with this guy quick and turning on him quick. Us as Broncos country media guy and um, and fans alike. Um, we'll see, man. Fangio is kind of on thin ice for me. I'm kind of like the shtick, the the old school coach stuff. I'm kind of over it. I need something else. I need something to a spark. I need, you know, and the Broncos, what they do is they go, you know, they'll go young coach to old coach, back to young coach to old coach. So who's the next young kind of hotshot coach out there? I'd love to have him. I'd love to have him. I'll tell you that. The thing with Fangio is there's only so many opportunities in the NFL for you, and especially on one team. You know, when you, with your first tenure as a head coach, yeah, it's not going great. Um, but, you know, this year could be a revitalization of his coaching career. If he turns it around and starts fixing some of those mistakes, those those time, well, he would say time management years mistakes. Now, it's just proof to that I needed a couple, like any coach needs a couple few years to. But also there's been so many circumstances now in all professional sport where a guy comes in and has overnight success. Yep. Literally turns it around overnight. And you know, it's versus Broncos country. That's what we're expecting. That's what we need. That's what we're desperate for. You so. only have so many opportunities and Fangio's are running out. Um, okay, so one thing that we kind of came up with was like the no-fly zone, not versus the wide receivers, but two storylines, whereas, you know, we have there's this perception of we have one of the best wide receiver groups in the whole NFL. Um, and then also, you know, I'm not so sure about that because who's the guy who's going to be getting these guys the ball, for one? I mean, I don't believe that to be necessarily true unless, you know, there'll be – 
you got the right point guard to distribute the ball. Yeah. Wide receiver is one of the, the most dependent position in football. Um, I don't know, man. These wide receivers, I love the talent. It's undeniable. But it just feels like Teddy won't be able to give them enough to make them happy and really shine. And Drew Locke, I know, will you know he'll be turning the ball over while trying to do that in the process. We saw what that looked like. We saw Jerry Judy unhappy with Drew Locke uh, and company. So... Um, with the wide receivers, I mean, that's what it comes down to. I love the group. I love, you know, throw Noah Fant in there, Albert O. Uh, it's, you know, it's intriguing, you know. Oh, CC, very intrigued. But uh, also it's like we're only as good as the guy who can get them the ball. Your receiver is only as good as the guy who can get them the ball, right? 100%. That's the one worry about the receiving core. I love the group just like you do. Uh, they have they're just oozing with talent yeah and, and ready with machismo and they're ready to break out yeah but as long as drew Locke and teddy are the quarterbacks they're they're probably not going to break out how we expect them to okay. uh the dbs you know, the the the, the, the no fly zone as a whole let's say right right they is there a chance this group is overrated jake there definitely is a chance because there's a lot of high expectations lofty expectations with this group people <laughs> how are many saying sure things are in this secondary other than the two safeties and Kareem Jackson, who's 100 years old now, and Justin Simmons. Listen, check mm. this. Flip this. These corners, not one of these guys is a sure thing. Zero. Kyle Fuller is an old man who's... He got cut. Uh, who got cut, straight up cut, on a team for a team that has aspirations and expectations and for a team that might have been willing to renegotiate and find a way to make it work. Um, Darby. Ronald Darby is an incredible second or maybe, you know, low second, high end three corner. Um, Injury But also he played for a defense that was out of this world last year. They were incredible was that Washington defense gave him lots of opportunities to shine, knock down balls, to turn that ball over and look like, um, you know, a really, uh, a really good corner. I'm not sure what Ronald Darby is. Bryce Callahan. We know his bones are made out of pie crust. Pie crust. I've seen his chart. Um, and then Patrick Sertan, rookie. don't get me wrong, we're comparing this guy to the next champ, Ailey, but he's just a rookie. He's still got to go out on the rookie. field and perform. So of the four guys, if it all works out, hit, 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 then, oh, man, what's this group going to be with these safeties? But also if Bryce Callahan only plays half the season, Ronald Darby's not as good as advertised, Fuller's getting beat because he's an old man, and – and Sertan is a work in progress for this season, then what is this secondary? It's then it's the fly zone. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I didn't have anything better. Then it's just the fly zone. So that's it. You know. Yeah, the, the secondary. The danger zone. That's right. Ice, Ice man. man. I am dangerous. Okay. Uh, what else? The running backs. Uh, with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, this is a uh, spearhead uh, at, 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 the, at the front of the, of the war zone. You know, these two guys can be phenomenal. They can uh, take this offense and keep yes. the defense off the field. Unsung story. March is down the field. Well, we know Melvin Gordon gave us a lot last year. He was this team's best offensive player next to Garrett Bowles. We also know that Broncos country doesn't love this guy. We also know he's aging a little bit. We also know that if he makes a lot of money, that he likely will not return to this team next year. All those things are true, okay? Um, but also, Javante Williams, 
has a chance to, the way that the value of the position now these days, the way he fell, if this was 10 years ago, he'd be a first round pick, maybe a pretty high one. So if Javante is in the mold of a Saquon, a Zeke Elliott, a Christian McCaffrey, there's a chance this team can... I mean, absolutely do everything with the guy and use this guy. I mean, imagine throwing them ball 50 times, you know, and they've been rushing for another 13 or 1400. That's the offense this team needs for a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater to go out there and have his compl- his passing game be a beautiful complement to a run game, keep the off the defense nice and fresh. Um, Javante Williams might be like again if this if this old restored hot rod, this old restored uh, truck that we're trying to uh, bring back to life, if this thing's gonna look like a million bucks and be a show pony again. Well, it's the motor's going to be Javante Williams, right? He's going to make it easy for the running backs. He's going to work with the offensive line, be in sync with the offensive line. Some guys just work better with other groups and it just flows and happens. Some guys never kind of click and it really never happens together. Um, Javante Williams is one of my, I'm the, not one of my probably, the ultimate, you can't call a quarterback an X factor. So the ultimate X factor for this team, for me this season, is Javante Williams. Because if he's a star, a star, that means Melvin Gordon's kind of like a compliment. Imagine right. Melvin Gordon at 14 touches a game, uh, 10 or 11 on the ground, and three through the air. That means two running backs are getting off, carrying you, and that very good things are potentially happening for the Broncos on both sides. That's the ideal situation is Javante Williams to really uh, take that spot, take the starting spot and Melvin Gordon, you know, kind of ease his way out of it because, you know, honestly, like you said, he's going to be making a lot of money uh, and, you know, he's probably on his way out anyway. So you want to start seeing Javante Williams take the brunt of the load. And it uh, it really all depends on how Pat Shermer also uses these guys. You know, we'll add that as a topic in its own right. We'll wrap this thing up. Shermer's a very interesting figure on this team a lot of people think he's overrated a lot of people think he's not a developer of a quarterback a lot of people think that the case Keenum stuff was a little bit overrated and they caught lightning in a bottle that he can't develop guys a lot of people think he's stuck he wants to stick to his guns and doesn't want to um, uh, conform to his quarterback's needs and to what they do best we'll see that for sure this year because I mean the Broncos are not afraid to fire offensive coordinators and actually this guy's got twice as long as any other guy gotten in here you know here in a decade so um tie it back in and wrap this thing up here um i think the first three games for this team are critically crucially important and i don't think they're better than any of the three teams i think they're barely better but also if they have taken another step and if teddy is the right guy and if this defense is really uh, gonna live up to the most expensive defense in the nfl which they were last year and i think they are this year again then uh, it's going to happen within those first three games. They'll be 3-0. and People start to get excited about it all. Then you have to go beat a good team. And then at that point, you... You, you know, you get the battles to try to get to 10 wins or 11 wins. And that the season would be an incredible success, right? Yeah, that, that's, the, I, that's the 100% how Broncos fans want the season to start. Uh, it may not start that way, but Man, uh, it, it's lined up. It it's lined up for the Broncos to have success early on in this season. All right, Jake. Uh, good job today. 
I'm Danny Williams. Jake Meyer is sitting right next to me. I am at TweetsDanny on Twitter. Jake's at Jake Meyer Radio on Twitter as well. Catch this podcast anywhere in the world. You can find podcasts. We appreciate you guys and we love you guys. Good night, Sheila. Good night. Good night.